Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So as we jump into the Word today, we are privileged this morning to hear from our student pastor, Chris Hine. Please give him a warm welcome as he comes and shares the Word today. Morning. Morning. Okay, it worked. You guys were clapping loud. How are you guys doing? I'm really excited to be up here today. I think it's really cool. If you weren't here in the first two services, you probably weren't because you're here. Um, Larry preached on some stuff, and it was really neat just kind of how the Holy Spirit works throughout the day, especially when you get these services where someone preaches in the beginning, someone preaches in the end. And it's really neat as he's going through his points. I'm like, I think that's my point. Yep, that's, he's saying it verbatim. I don't, he's, did he, did he hack into my computer? Right? Like, it was really cool just to see that happening. So um, I want to hop in really quick. Um, so today we're going to talk about how we grow. And I want to talk to you about some tools uh, that we can use to implement into our lives to grow daily, especially when we come here every week and we're receiving or we're spending time with Jesus in the morning, how to take those things and apply them to our lives so we can actually grow in what God's calling us to do. Okay, so first I kind of want to create a foundation of why we should want to grow, right? And I think it starts with a proper or correct view of salvation. I mean, the bottom line up front is we should grow because God has a purpose for every one of our lives, right? And in order to fill our purpose, we must become more and more like Jesus every day. So what is one question that we've all heard that kind of helps us remember what to do every day, how to be more like Jesus? Is there a question? I'll give you a hint. It was tied to a bracelet at one point, I think in the 90s. WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? So I think that's awesome. I think it's great, and I thought it was really good. People would wear them, and then I remember being in elementary school, and people wearing them. I'm like, they're not really acting like Jesus. I'm not really sure if that's sinking in. So I I love WWJD. I love the idea of it, but I think a better question, instead of what would Jesus do, would be how did Jesus live, right? Because I think what he did was an outflowing of who he was, right? What he was called to and how he lived. So... I'll tell you a quick story. There was a mom who's making pancakes one morning, and the boys are at the table, and she's like, who wants the first pancake? And they're both like, me, me, and they're arguing, and they're fighting over who's going to get the first pancake. And mom goes, you know what? If Jesus was here, and he was over there with you guys, he would say, hey, you know what? You guys have the first pancake, and I'll wait. So the big brother looks at the little brother and goes, you be Jesus. (laughs) All right. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go and talk about growing for the sake of our calling and identity, and I'm going to give you some tools to help us do just that, okay? Because like Jesus had a calling and a purpose here on this earth, so do we, okay? Um, so proper perspective of salvation. So I did this with the youth the other night, All right? So pretend there's like this old, rusty, nasty car over here, right? And then over here, there's this like Ferrari. But the kid's going to turn 16, and dad's like, hey, if you do this thing for these three months, then I'll, I'm going to give you the Ferrari. But if you, if you don't do it, then you're going to get the rusted car, right? That's, you're going to get that. So how many of you would want the Ferrari? That kid isn't going to sit there and do everything that his dad asked him to do all summer long so that he makes sure that he doesn't get the rusted car. Like, he's not going to be like, man, whatever I got to do so that I don't get that. Like, that's not what's motivating him to do what his dad's asking him to do, Right? 
He's motivated because he sees this bright red Ferrari over here. If he does what he's supposed to do, he's going to get that. That's not even a question. Like, he doesn't even care. He's like, I didn't even know there was a rusted car after you said Ferrari, right? And I think for most of us, when we look at salvation, and I want to say most of us, but I think culturally in America, what we do is we go, hey, I got saved from this, and that's awesome. And it is, right? Because that's what we got saved from. Our sins, we go to hell at the very end of our lives if we don't have Jesus. So this is awesome that we don't have to go to hell at the end of it. But really what happens is we look at that and we go, okay, good. I, I'm good now. Like, I'm, I'm not going to hell, right? And what we're doing is we're missing everything, not necessarily that we're saved from, but what we're saved to, right? There's so much there on the other side if we would just turn from that and look at that. Now, I'm not saying this isn't a bad motivator, right? I'm not saying that this is like, hey, like that, I don't want that. But the reality is, is we're going, I don't want to go to hell when we used to go, I don't want to spend eternity without him. Like, that's the good stuff. Like, like yes, bad, but man, like my focus is like, I would, I would be way, way worse off if I didn't have that for all of eternity. Okay, so proper perspective of salvation, right? It's not about what we're saved from. It's what we're saved to. And after we're saved to that, it's what we're called to do in that. Okay, so over the past couple of weeks, Pastor Quentin has been preaching on the foundations of our faith, right? Foundations, some of those foundational teachings we can build upon. Um, however, if we want to grow in those foundational teachings, if we want to understand and experience the life-changing power that these teachings can bring to our lives, we first need the right tools to apply them to our lives, and we need to apply them consistently over time if we want to have growth in our lives. Because the reality is, growth doesn't happen overnight. Like, I've never put a seed in the ground and been like, oh, cool, an apple tree. Like, that would be awesome. Um, but growth doesn't happen overnight. And if we don't implement habits, the truth is it doesn't happen through inconsistency either, right? If we don't have this idea that we need to grow and then take some tools and start implementing it consistently, we're not going to grow. Like, I've never seen an Olympic athlete who, like, every once in a while went to practice and, and trained, right? Like, they were very consistent about what they did. All right, so if we do this, our efforts will invariably produce the growth that God seeks to furnish in our lives, right? So I just want to draw from a few illustrations to kind of help us wrap our mind around exactly what I mean by, like, tools, okay? That's going to be kind of like habits, tools, and what I mean by growth, okay? So in the CIA, they have these things called case officers. I don't know if you know what that is. You guys would probably call them spies. Um, that's what Hollywood is told us what they're called, but they're called case officers. And they spend a lot of their time in foreign countries trying to gather intelligence um, to help protect America. And they have some tools of the trade that they use. It's called tradecraft. Uh, has anybody heard that term before? Tradecraft. Okay, so I know who's been there, right? Now I know who the spies are in the room. Um, so they're just tools of the trade that they use to, one, gather intelligence in, in many hostile countries to stay alive, okay? So two of those things, I'm going to tell you one, is dead drops. So, like, this is how they would gather information. So, in essence, they would be like, all right, I need information. He's going to place it somewhere. So they have these little ways they do it. So, like, walk into a park, third light post on the left, chalk market, and then on my way out, the third light post on the right coming out, I put a package. So when they come in, they go, one, two, three, and as they're walking by, one, two, three, back, and they, oh, I dropped my pen. They grab that information and they walk. So oftentimes when they're going to these places, they'll do something called dry cleaning. Has anybody ever heard of that term? Okay. In the context, I'll give you the context here. It's different than maybe what you're thinking. I think we've all heard of dry cleaning. But this is what they do. So they're trying to lose a tail. They want to make sure they're not being followed. Their life depends upon it because if they get caught, it would be really bad for them, right? At any rate, 
they don't want to get caught, so they're trying to avoid having people telling them. So they'll do things like this. They'll be walking, and they think that somebody's following them. They'll walk over and be like, ooh, I think I want that hat inside that window. But they're actually looking at the reflection to see if there's some guy over here, like, ubiquitously staring at a sign like it's the most interesting thing he's ever seen. Right? Like, obviously, that guy's standing out like a sore thumb. So that would, that would be a tell for him, like, hey, it's time to go, to go back home. Not a good day to do this drop. So part of tradecraft for them is changing the way they live, their daily habits, and patterns of life in regard to how they move about town. So in essence, how they live or implement certain disciplines and habits has a cumulative effect on their effectiveness as a spy and in turn directly has an effect on not only their success in gathering intelligence and information, but there's a direct correlation there between their ability to implement their tradecraft and their ability to stay alive and gather intelligence. So what I want to draw out of this is while we aren't case officers in the CIA, we can learn spiritually that in the same way spies use their tradecraft to keep them alive, our disciplines and daily behaviors as Christians have the ability to preserve the life that is in us and grow us in the calling that we're called to. Okay? So if you were to ask a case officer what tradecraft is, they would tell you part of our tradecraft is, one, changing the way they live, all right, how they live in this new country, two, changing their daily habits, what they do, every single day, and changing their patterns of life. Patterns of life being like, what time I wake up? What time I leave the house? Changing those so they aren't like standing out like a sore thumb and really easy to tell. So if we want to preserve our spiritual life, if we want to continue growing spiritually, we need to take some tools of the trade, okay, and begin implementing them into our own lives now. Because the reality is if we do them now, they just may save us in the long run, right? Okay, so that was tools, some of the habits, we're gonna get into them, growth. Growing. I want to talk about that. So how many of you in here have someone that you love? Raise your hand. Who do you love? Yeah, prove it. Right? That's not fair. That's not a nice question. I'm sorry. I put him on the spot. Like, that's not a fair question, right? Um, because, like, I doubt there's that point in time where, like, they were dating. And, like, at some point he was like, okay, I, like, at a moment, like, I don't love her. And then a moment later he's like, oh, I love her. Like, there's not, like, that second, that moment in time that it happens. At least that's not happened with me and Anna. Like, she didn't love me because, like, I bought her flowers one day. She didn't love me because I bought her a coach purse. Like, actually, she made me return that when we were dating because she said she'd get a much cheaper one at TJ Maxx and would look way better. So, for me, that's when I knew I loved her. Um, so, at any rate, like, she didn't love me because of things I did, those individual things. It was this cumulative effect over time where eventually she just kind of woke up one morning. She's like, I love him. Like, it wasn't, like, that one moment it was like cumulative effect over time. So I want to tell you, growth, specifically growth in Jesus and in our relationship with him, is the exact same way, right? You'll never be able to define a moment outside your salvation experience where you said, I've fully grown up in Christ. I'm finally here, right? It doesn't happen. Not like that, right? If we're being nitpicky about it, you never fully grow up. Rather, you grow up into the next thing that God has called you to until we meet with him in eternity. So 2 Peter 1 through 3 says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, right? So if we're being called up into the next thing and you're worried like, hey man, I'm not sure whether or not I have what it takes to do what God is calling me to, like this verse says you do. You absolutely have whatever you need because God's given it to you in this season. God gives us every measure in order to do what he is calling us to in each season. However, often those next steps or those next things Jesus has for you only comes once you have grown in what he has given us now, right? I, I can't tell you how many times, like, God has given me something after I got saved, and I was like, and I'm like, I'm running with Jesus, and then something else comes along, and it's good, and it's Jesus, and it's like, he's, you know, this is not bad, but I'm like, I'm going to do that too, and he's like, no, 
Like, you're not, you need to be doing what I called you to do. And if I were to keep pursuing that, and I have in the past, right, been like, I just really want to do that with him, uh, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well at all because that's not the will of God. That's not where he wants me right then and there. So, in other words, in each season, Jesus is growing us up in what we are doing now. And oftentimes, at the same time, he is growing in us something that we will need, not necessarily for now, but for later. So, let's look at this real quick. How do we grow, Okay. How do we grow up into the next thing God is calling us to? So for some of you, that might be something you know God has already spoken to you. And for some of you, you have absolutely no clue what you're called to next, let alone right now. I've been there, right? Oftentimes, if we aren't sure what we're called to now, the simple reason for that is it's because we aren't taking the time to hear from Jesus, all right? God's word says in James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask, so whether or not you know what God has called you to now or what you're called to next, or maybe you're the one who doesn't have a clue, right? I've been there. This morning, I just want to share a couple practical tools that we can use, okay? Some things that we can do to begin growing in both our relationship with Jesus and growing in the calling that we have as Christians. Like every single one of us in here have a calling in our lives. We're not here by accident. You didn't stumble in here today. God wants you to hear something. Hopefully it's in this message, Right? Like, this isn't an accident. Like, you are made with purpose. Where you are in life is there's a purpose you're there. So we just need to get into that, buy into that, and start chasing Jesus for it, right? So I know as a pastor it can often be easy to get up here and talk about the what, right? What the Bible calls us to do and forget to talk about the how. Okay, so how you can grow. How we can grow in the things and in the knowledge of what we are here each week trying to gather, right? Every week we come here to the Anchor Church and we have an opportunity to hear something and take it home and then grow in it if we'll apply it. So in order to grow, we need the right tools, and we're going to call those habits, right, from here on out, implemented over time. Again, like I said earlier, growth doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen through inconsistency. We're going to have to be consistent if we want to see some results. Like we can't go, well, God's just not working if you woke up and talked to him for two minutes and then you didn't talk to him again, right? Like, that was it. That was it for the week. I gave him the two minutes. Like, God wants a relationship with us, all right? So, let's talk about our tradecraft. Our tradecraft is simply the tools, techniques, or procedures we use to operate and grow as a Christian. If you can't tell, I was in the military, so I try not to use terms like that too often. We actually call them TTPs. I spelled it out. You're welcome. Um, So, let me say this, right? Christians have never arrived, right? And what I mean by that is we've never finished growing. We're going to grow, and I said it earlier, we're going to grow until we see Jesus face to face. So, these tools aren't meant for maintenance, right? You aren't here just to maintain where you are. You didn't get saved to come and just maintain that spot that you landed in. These tools, these things that God wants us to walk in are made to grow us because he wants us to participate in this kingdom that he's building, in the kingdom that he's pushing us towards, in this greatest like rescue mission that's ever happened in all of eternity, where we're walking through to the end of eternity trying to bring people along with us that are lost, right? All right, let's look at where the Bible calls us to grow, okay? So 2 Peter 3.18 says, but continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen. So here we see God's word telling us to continue. Can anyone tell me what it means to continue? Keep going. What does that presuppose? That you're already doing something, right? So we're to continue to grow. To continue, and we're to continue growing what, right? We're to continue to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, okay? So God's word has called us to continue growing, which is good because that's what I'm preaching on. So the word lines up with that. He's called us to continue growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, all right? So let's look at another verse, Colossians 1, 9 through 10. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, this is Paul talking, he says, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. 
right? Here we see Paul through prayers asking that God would fill the readers, those Colossians, right? Fill the readers with the knowledge of God and his will. So listen to how he asks God to fill them, right? He says, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That's the Holy Spirit that we have in us, all right? If Paul is asking this for others through a letter written to them, he's not even seeing them, then it stands to reason that we can ask for the same thing. We can ask God to fill us with the knowledge of his will, his will for his kingdom, his will for this community, his will for this region, his, this will, his will for your life. We can pray, God, please grow me and fill me with your knowledge and do it using all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. So if you didn't catch that, this verse insinuates that the Holy Spirit who lives in you and me has the ability to aid in our growth and knowledge as believers and know God's will for our lives too. Literally all we have to do is ask. So what does that mean? Let's just consider this thought for a moment here, okay? When I look at Christianity now in America, right, we are doing good, but there's some places that we might need to clean up. So if we're being honest with ourselves, right, I think we have neglected or forgot some promises and gifts that Jesus brought to the table for us when we were saved. And I'll tell you, when I got saved, this is equally true for me. And it's not necessarily that I neglected it or forgot it, but we can get very, very quickly into a cadence and just get comfortable, right? Like, hey, I'm just doing the thing. I do it every day. It started off like I can't be without Jesus this morning. And then it turned into like, I better do it. Otherwise, I'll feel guilty about it. Like, again, like, what are we saved from or what are we saved to, right? Those things are prayer, God's word, and the Holy Spirit. Now, you're like, wow, that's pretty basic. And I know it is. But like, how seriously do we take prayer? Like, how seriously do we take God's word? Like, last week, we learned about the Holy Spirit. And that may have been like something new for some people. It was for me at one point in time. But I think if you begin to apply these ideas and concepts we're getting ready to talk about, if you apply them throughout even the rest of Pastor Quentin's series on foundations, if you apply them anytime you come here to hear God's word, or time even in your own personal time with Jesus, I truly believe if you apply these tools, you experience exponential and supernatural growth in your walk with Jesus and in your understanding of who he's made you and called you to be. But if you don't apply these things, right, if you're not applying these things, if you don't, you won't. Like, I've never seen anyone change without first making a change in their life, right? Like, I never said, I'm going to lose some weight, and then did nothing different and lost weight. I wish it worked that way. That'd be great as I get older. Like, yeah, it's not fun. Honestly, like, you want brownies? I'm like, no. No, those will hang on to me for, for weeks. All right, so we're going to talk about three topics, all right, or three biblical imperatives we need to address, understand, and apply to our daily life if we want to grow. And then we're going to give, like, three tools here. Um, are three practical things you can do to implement them. All right, so the three topics. So in order to grow as Christians, I think we have to have an understanding of what these next three topics are. we got to understand them and how and why we should apply them to our daily life, okay? Because it's my opinion that if we don't understand them and understand why they should be applied, it will be very difficult to grow spiritually like in any context, okay? So again, these are the basics. And the reason I want to talk about the basics today is because when PQ is up here talking about the foundations and Pastor Quentin's preaching on deep theological topics, we're getting a lot of information sometimes. And you're not really, in my opinion, I don't think you're really able to go, good, absorbed it. I don't need to do anything else with that, right? Like you need to be able to take those things, go home and begin applying them to your life because it wasn't a coincidence that you came here, right? God brought you here to hear it. And it's not like he said, I'm just glad you heard it. Like now go home and do nothing with it right? Like, and I'm not trying to be mean, right? Like, we're all guilty of being like, come in, go, and then next week, you're like, what did he say last week? All right, so number one, reading God's word. 
Reading God's word, why is that so important? Why do we really need to wrap our mind around that? Because it's literally our book for life. Like it's our instruction manual for life. Like it tells us how to live. There's promises in it. There's blessings and there's truth. And truth is kind of important, especially in this day and age where truth has become relative and has no foundation whatsoever. It's more or less founded in opinion, right? There is a foundational truth. And for some people, that hurts because their foundation is going to be eroded quickly because that truth isn't, isn't real. And, and it messes with them because it changes the way they have to live. And a lot of times people are comfortable or like their sin and like living in it, and they don't want to be touched. So we've got to be able to look at God's word and go, hey, here's some truth that we can hold on to, and I can apply that to my life, and it will always return full, right? So when I got saved... Like God was speaking to me radically and I just felt like I was almost hearing him audibly. And this time God said like, I want you to quit nursing school and I want you just to spend time with me. I was like, that's, that's like, that's how I was gonna pay for the bills. That's how I was gonna, that was the job I needed and being in college, I had the GI bill, like that helped us pay the bills. I had two kids at the time and I was married. Um, I'm still married, she's awesome. <laughs> but I remember being like, okay. Like, literally, I was so sold out for Jesus because I was like, I know Jesus is real, and I know that living like he isn't works terribly. Like, that didn't work out well. So I'm just going to do what Jesus says, what his word says. And if it, if it really says that everything in here is true, then I can just trust it. So when I felt God say, I want you to quit nursing, I was like, fine, done. I went in, and one of my teachers was like, how are you going to provide for your kids? This is silly. You're throwing away your life or whatever. I was like, I don't know. I really think I just found my life. Um, at any rate, like... I quit, and there was tons of people like, hey, that's not a good idea. It's like, well, actually, I read in the Bible, um, and these were some Bible-believing Christians that actually said this to me. They said, like, that's irresponsible. How would you even be able to provide for your family? It's like, I've read this verse in the Bible that said, if God clothes the lilies of the field and he feeds the birds of the air, how much more will he provide for you? And I was like, if that's true, then I don't have to worry if he asks me to do something because he's not going to walk me into a dumpster. Right? Like, and I know that it's God whenever, most of the time for me, I know that it's God because it's one of those things that I really feel uncomfortable and don't want to do. Right? I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound like a good idea. And God's like, do it. I'm like, all right, you got it. You got it, God. You're the boss. Um, so it was just really neat that when we did that and we moved to San Diego and I started going to seminary, like, probably the poorest we ever were, right? Like, but the happiest and like the most blessed and the most provided for. Like, we didn't, we didn't have money, we just had provision. Like, we didn't go and like, hey, it's time to take all our money. We didn't have really money. Just things would show up. It was amazing. So God's word, like, we can't live without that. And if we listen and we read it, you're going to get those promises. And if you start, like, believing in those things, God, God will do what he said he's going to do. Cool? Okay, number two, prayer. Prayer is how we communicate with God. It's how we communicate our needs, our desires, our hopes. But more importantly than us speaking, it's where we get the opportunity to hear God speak to us. All right? Like I said, I'll never forget the first time I heard God speak to me. And honestly, if you can just hold on and believe this for a minute, it was like I wasn't really a saved believer yet. Like I was going to church with Anna. I was in the military. It's like 2015. And I was kind of like, all right, God, if you're real, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't really know how to pray, but I'm going to do it. And I had a little journal. Because I was in the military. I was in special operations. I was like, I'm the tough guy. Like I want to do the tough stuff for Jesus if I'm going to do it. I was like, I'm gonna, I want to be a, a missionary. I want to go to Africa, to one of those crazy countries, be like the machine gun preacher or whatever. And... And I was like, all right, God, where do you want me to go? If you're real and you want me to do something, where do you want me to go? And I just heard the word Maine. I was like, that's weird. That's not a country in Africa. Um, so, like, I wrote it down, right? And then, like, 
that was it. There wasn't this like huge pursuit of Jesus after that. As a matter of fact, like I slowly declined to where I really wasn't sure if God existed until I got radically saved one day. Um, and I remember a couple of years ago being up here going through all my old prayer journals, which is what we're going to talk about too. Um, and I opened that up and I just read Maine. I was like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that. And I'll tell you, I didn't want to come here after seminary. Like not because I didn't like Maine, but because I wanted to move to North Carolina or stay in San Diego. But it was one of those things where I woke up one morning and where like, I didn't have a desire to move to Maine. Like the Bible says, God will give us the desires of our hearts, right? Like, but what I really think that means is he puts his desires in our hearts. Okay. So I, I woke up one morning and I was like, I'm like, the only way I can describe it is like when my dad would go away when I was a kid and I would long for him to come back, right? Like that was the type of longing I had for Maine. I was like, I have no idea why I desperately want to move to Maine this morning when I wanted nothing to do with it yesterday. So like I know that that was God speaking to me then, right? Like he still speaks to us. So don't, don't let anybody tell you he doesn't, all right? Number three is be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. There's a triune God. He's one of them, all right? He works in the lives of believers, and he has the power to make the changes God wants to make in our lives. So one thing that I do, and one thing that I think everybody in here should do, is I just ask every day, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I need a fresh filling. I need more today than I did yesterday because I know I'm running out. And the reality is, by doing this, God is showing us that he wants to make changes in our lives, right? In Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill his good purpose. So he's showing us that he wants to make changes in our lives, or rather he wants the permission to be able to make changes in your life. And the only way to accomplish that is by asking him to. So pray to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit and give him permission to mess with your life. Do it. It'll be awesome. I promise. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, is essential tenet to any healthy and growing walk with Jesus. And I don't know if I could live my life without it. Like I couldn't imagine a life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at application, right? How do we get those three important ideas or things into us, like God's word, prayer, the Holy Spirit? So how do we move those from knowledge of into action and implementation? So I'm going to give you three tools, right? Practical things, some habits you can do to move the needle in that area. So guys, bear with me. This is basic, okay? But these are the foundational things. Like when I was in the military, we didn't learn all the cool, fancy, high-speed stuff. I mean, we did eventually, but like we learned the basics first so that when your adrenaline goes through the roof, like you aren't trying to do all the cool tricks and manipulate your weapon. You're just like, I know the basics. Like you just, you're able to do what you need to do when, when it gets wild. So the basics are fundamental because it's what we build upon, right? And we can take those basics and add Add things to it, like the things that are like more difficult, more difficult to understand, more foundational things that PQ's talking about. So bear with me in these bases, okay? They're good for you. I use them every day, all right? Quiet time, discipleship, and this one isn't necessarily biblical imperative, but it's good. It's called journaling, right? A prayer journal. I think you should have one. I didn't think I needed one until like even a couple years ago when I opened that up. I was like, oh, wow. Like imagine if I would write the things down that I hear from Jesus and then watch him fulfill them over my life. Like, that's fun. That's cool to see. All right, so number one, quiet time. You should have a quiet time with Jesus every day. So under these, I have like these three little points here. I want you to give your time, right? Time is literally the most invaluable thing that you have on this planet. Like, none of you are going to go to Lowe's today and pick up some extra time on the way home. Like, it's not possible, right? Like, in the time it took us to talk about that, that time is gone. And we'll never get it back. Like, ever. Time is your most valuable thing. So when we think about time and we think about coming to church every Sunday, I want you guys to think about this. You're here for an hour each Sunday. Don't waste that time. 
right? Like if you're here, you're here listening, like Pastor Quentin or whoever is up here didn't go to www.quicksermon.com because I forgot and to preach to you guys. Like they are looking to Jesus all week long to hear from God because they want you to hear what God wants you to hear. It's not about what they think you should hear, right? They, will, they, they go and they pray and spend hours in prayer and reading the word. So when you come here, it's not just something he thought was neat. It's probably something God wants you to hear. So, like, let's not waste that hour. Let's come expectant for God to just bring revelation to our lives. And it may not always be profound. But like I said, these cumulative things over time, they'll start to add up. You'll find yourself in a place where, like, oh, wow. Like, this is where God was trying to bring me all along. It's super cool. All right, and give your best effort. So, like, what you put in is what you get out, right? What you put in is what you get out. You want to see mighty moves of God in your life, right? He likely wants to see some mighty moments and, and seasons of sacrifice in your life, right? He's, he may ask you, like, hey, can you give that up for a season? Like, time's probably one of our biggest problems, too, because we're always so busy, right? So maybe God's going, hey, could you be a little less busy? Because I really miss spending time with you in the morning. Like, if we're so busy, I can't spend five minutes with Jesus. Maybe I should go to bed five minutes earlier. And I'm telling you, I'm practicing what I preach. Like, I've been really busy this year, and I've allowed myself to get super busy. But, like... I'm going to bed earlier, and I'm getting up really early. And I don't know if you can tell by the wrinkles under my eyes, but I've been getting up really early for a while now because I'm a nurse. I have to be at the hospital. So that means I have to get up if I want to like, have time with Jesus and then shower. I should shower if I go to work. So give your best effort, right? Like We need to come and give to God our best because he gave us his best, right? Like on the cross, he gave us his best when we couldn't do anything about it. All right, so number three, prayer like implemented prayer, okay? And not prayer for others. Like, and let me quantify that for a minute. That's gonna sound weird. Um, you should pray for other people, right? Our prayer life should be very dynamic. You should pray for other people. You should pray for the pastors here. You should pray for the church, your region, your family, the nation, the leaders of the nation. Those are people you should be praying for. But I just kind of want to focus here that you should also be praying for yourself, and that's what I'm gonna talk about, okay? You need to pray for you because the reality is you can't be for others what God has made you to be for them if you first don't spend time with him. Like you can't, like you're going to meet people throughout the day that God has set up for you to run into and you won't have what you need for them unless you spend time getting it from God first, right? You can't give what you don't have. Does that make sense? Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, no man is greater than his prayer life. And I think that's pretty awesome because the reality is our prayer life defines like where we are with God. Like think about this. Like if I were to come to this building once a week to meet my wife and for 30 minutes we sang, and then the other 30 minutes, she just talked to me. And then I high-fived her and said, great relationship, babe. I'll see you next week. Like, I don't think our marriage would last very long. Like, right? I need more than an hour with her. And God's saying the same thing. He's like, I absolutely love spending time with you on Sunday. But I'm also here on Monday. Like, I'm here Monday morning. Like, I have a plan for you. It's not what you're saved from. Look at all I've saved you to. Like, you get to be a part of what I'm doing right? So if you want a better prayer life, right, ask for it. Simply asking in prayer is going to have you praying more already, right? James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. So start asking. Say, God, I want a better prayer life. Like, that's what I did. Like, I had no idea how to pray. So I remember sitting there and be like, dear God, um, hi. Like, I had no idea what to do, so I wrote out a prayer. 
like I just started going through the Bible. I was reading like Psalm 51 where who David was um, and just write out a personal prayer. Like I was like, Lord, make me a man after your own heart. Like show me how to lead my wife and my children. Like show me how to be a man that you've made me to be, that you designed me to be. And, I, and that, that helped me. So I, I, I prayerfully did that. And then I would read that prayer every morning. Like that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And that would get me going and that would get me into the presence of God. And then I would begin praying on my own. So if that's you, you need a better prayer life, you want a better prayer life, like just ask God. He'll give it to you. All right, discipleship. That's simply accountability, right? What did Jesus do? He discipled people, right? That's where we got the 12 disciples. That's how we got the apostles. That's how we got the gospels, okay? What I mean by discipleship is like don't be a pond, right? Don't collect water and then do nothing with it. Let people pour into you and then find somebody to pour into like, I was looking at this thing um, when you compare evangelism to discipleship um, and evangelism. So say, like, say you went out and you, like, I'm like, hey, I want you to save 1,000 people this year. Just talk to 1,000 people, get them saved, All right? At the end of the year, there's 1,000 believers, like, and that's, he's got 100% batting average, right? There's 1,000 believers at the end of one year. At the end of three years, how many people is that if he does it every year? 3,000. Okay, how, how, about, how about at 33 years? 33,000, you guys are better at math than me. All right, so here's what discipleship does. So instead of trying to find 1,000 people to talk to, um, discipleship says find one person this year that you can disciple and disciple him all year. At the end of that year, there's two of you. There's two disciples, all right? By year three, you have eight disciples, okay? I told you I wasn't good at math. Um, by year 10, you have 1,156. Then that pales in comparison to the 10,000 Mr. Evangelism is doing, knocking it out of the park. Evangelism is good. I'm not knocking it. I love evangelism, okay? But I just want you to hear what, like, discipleship does. So 33-year mark, what do you think it looks like for discipleship? 33,000 with evangelism, 8.5 billion in discipleship. And if you're like, man, I'm really worried about, you know, population growth. Well, don't worry, two years after that, it's 34 billion. Right? That's just investing in someone for like one year. And, and it doesn't take much. You just have to be one week older than the person who's underneath you because somebody's pouring into you. And you're just giving them what you're getting. Right? Discipleship. I'm telling you, these are the things that will really change your life, change the, the relationship you have with Jesus, and move you into the calling that he's made for you. All right? And the last one is that prayer journal, right? that journaling. Because for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, if you don't write it down, you won't remember it. So when you come here, and we're here for that one hour every week, that time that we were going to lose if we don't use it the way that God designed it, take some notes, right? Listen to what's going on. I'm not saying you're not listening, but like, listen, like, be like, Lord, speak to me today. I want to hear what you have to say. And I guarantee you, if you start doing that, you'll start being, oh, okay, there it is. And you'll start piecing together that puzzle that God's trying to speak to you week after week after week, revealing who you are, what he's called you to, maybe what he's called you to next. You could even like journal at night. I journal at home in the morning. All right, so all I'm asking you to do is to, to practice quiet time. Commit to discipleship and start maybe journaling, okay? Just these are things I'm challenging you to do, okay? Because I know what they will do to your life. They'll change it radically. Like if I didn't spend time with Jesus for all those years, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. I'm here because I spent time trying to hear from God, trying to grow and know who he was. When I realized what I was saved from, like that was great. But when I realized what I was saved to, like that blew me away. And I was like, I can't imagine not living for this guy who, when I didn't deserve it, died on the cross for me. Like, like I lived in so much sin. Like I remember having the thought, like just God gave me this thought, like, you know, like there I am 2,000 years in the future. Jesus is carrying that cross up the hill. And like, he's like, even if it's just for him, even if it's just for you, 
He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going. It's worth it because I love him. Like Jesus died for everybody, even the neighbor that drives you up a wall who doesn't know Jesus, right? He died for him. Why? Because he loves him dearly. So make an appointment with Jesus and keep it, right? Make that appointment in the morning. It's not easy. If Satan's number tool, like in my life, is like just letting me hit the snooze button, right? Or busyness. Like if the devil can't get you to walk in his hand, he'll just keep you super busy, right? Because it would be too busy to, to seek Jesus. And then commit to discipleship. Like I'm not going to come here next week and be like, who did it? Like who's not, have a, who's not in discipleship yet? Like, but like I'm just telling you, ask somebody. I don't think somebody's going to say no. And then journal. Just take some notes when you come here on Sunday. Like it'll change your life. So those three topics and those three tools will change your life, I promise. You won't be the same if you start doing it. And it's like 30-day challenge. Do it for 30 days. I dare you. For 30 days, do it. And you'll be like, why haven't I not been doing this my entire life? Like God will start to reveal to you things that you just, you've never known even about yourself. All right? Like I didn't know that I could cry until I got saved. Believe it or not, that was pretty tough. But when I got saved, I would cry at the tiniest little things. I would be like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's just really emotional. And she's like, okay. She's like, I've never seen this about you. It's scaring me. Um, so the reality is if, if you don't take these topics, understand them, and apply them to your life, you don't use those tools to start pushing them into your life every day, then what we do up here each Sunday isn't really going to do anything in your life, right? Like if you don't take it and apply it, if you don't do something with it, then you're just getting knowledge. But if you want to grow and you should, simply put, it takes effort, right? It takes prayer. It takes time our most valuable asset. But more importantly, if you're going to grow up in your calling and into what you've been saved to, not what you're saved from, if you're going to grow up in what you've been saved to, it's going to take your effort, it's going to take your prayers, and it's going to take your time. I can't do it for you. Like, I've got to do it for myself. Like, it's not easy, but like, it's worth it, okay? So, and if we really want to fulfill our purpose and operate in the calling that God saved us into, it takes the Holy Spirit in us and living through us every single day. So, I'll tell you this, like last week he talked about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And like, uh, like I didn't know what that was. So I had been saved for nine months. And I remember praying in my room in Brunswick. Nobody was at the house but me. And I was just praying. And it, the best way I can describe it, it felt like God's foot fell out of heaven and slammed down in my backyard. And God's presence was there. And I just fell on my face weeping. And I wasn't like afraid, but I was kind of like, this is serious. Like, and I just was praying and weeping. And I just felt God ministering in my heart. And all of a sudden, I started praying in what I thought was like Hebrew or Arabic or Aramaic, um, speaking in tongues. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what this is. I thought I was losing my mind. So I hadn't got to that part in the Bible yet that talked about that. So for me, I thought I was losing my mind. So I called Pastor Nathan. I was like, um, Pastor Nathan, I don't know what's happening. I think I'm losing my mind. He's like, no, son, that's, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was like, what is that? He's like, well, this is what happens. He's like, now you're speaking in tongues. I was like, well, what is that? And he's like, well, you need to go read Acts. I was like, okay, I haven't been reading that. I didn't seem, I didn't know it was an important one. He's like, it's an important one. Go read it, okay? So like, like it's real. The Holy Spirit is real. He wants to move through us, in us. He is our counselor. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. If you know anything about intercession, that's like getting in someone else's shoes, understanding what's going on in their life, and then praying on their behalf like it's affecting you. Like that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And we need it. So this week, in any measure, just start doing some of these things, like 1% better every day, right? Just show up and be like, hey, five minutes, do it. Then maybe six the next week. And you're like, man, this is really awesome. I should do 15, right? Just start doing it. Get some quiet time. Commit to discipleship with somebody. If you don't know anybody to do that with, come talk to me and Pastor Tommy. If you don't know what that looks like, come ask us. We'd be happy to tell you what that looks like. So I hope you guys are hearing this today. 
It's not that I don't think you already have it. I just want to encourage you to keep doing it if you're already doing it. If you're not, start. Like, don't waste your time, right? Like, you're not promised tomorrow. Like, there's no better time to start pursuing Jesus than right now. All right, so if you guys just stand to your feet real quick, we'll pray, and I'll let you guys go eat fried chicken, as PQ says. All right, dear Lord, thank you for this day, God. We are so thankful for your word, God. We're so thankful that you speak to us in your word, that it's living and active. We are thankful, Lord, that we have this prayer life where we can come to you with our worries, come to you with our questions, God, and that you will actually return and speak to us, Lord. We are so thankful that on the day of Pentecost, which is, this is the Pentecost Sunday right now, Lord, that you sent your Holy Spirit, Lord, that Elijah would call fire down from heaven and we would be like, oh my gosh, how amazing to see that. And he would say, what was it like to have God in you? Lord, we get to be the living vessel, the home, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are so thankful for these gifts that we've been given. Lord, teach us how to apply them to our lives, how to go into our communities and be a light in a way that this community has never seen. Lord, we know that you want to move mightily here, God. So we just ask that you would just open our hearts, open our minds, give us a drive that we didn't even know was there. Give us a passion. Give us a desire, God. Give us your desire for our life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Bless this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.